And welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. Uh, Jimmy Lemke, my co-host, will be forthcoming. Um, as I understand, it, he's going to jump in uh, the Stone Cold Steve Austin interest music, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, you can find him on Twitter at PantherU, and you can follow us on Twitter at HorizonRT. So, big couple of episodes here coming up. As we did in April with the Fan Battle Royale, we are doing the same thing this fall. Um, and as with what we did in April, we've got representatives from Horizon League schools. Some of them are here now. Um, I'm assuming some of the other ones will be forthcoming as we uh, chat along. So let me go ahead and get started with all the introductions. I'm going to do this in I'm going to do this in alphabetical order. Sorry, Ricky. Um, starting with uh, starting with uh, John Durder over at uh, Cleveland State. Go Vikes! Happy to have your uh, audio working this time. Yeah, hopefully clear too. Yo, Isabel. Yes. Um, all right, next up, uh, new face here, uh, Green Bay. Jim, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm a Green Bay graduate, former athlete, season ticket holder, and uh, happy to be here. All right. Um, another new face to this forum, but uh, but uh, somebody we've had on uh, the show in the past, uh, Chris Schutte, from I- representing IUPUI. Hello, happy to be here. All right. And as – Familiar voice, I'm sure, to of the Horizon Roundtable, representing Oakland, Matt Dudek. Hey, thanks for having me back. All right. And last but not least, uh, Ricky Redinger over at at, uh, Wright State. You made me last, but I just wanted to remind everybody that we did win the league last year. (laughs) Um, Yes, we do. (laughs) uh, Ricky Redinger, yeah, Wright State grad, former club football player, and excited to be back here. All right. Um, so eventually, uh, and as I mentioned, we will eventually be – the hope is to eventually have uh, folks, uh, representatives from Northern Kentucky and UIC and, of course, uh, Detroit Mercy jumping on as soon as they can and – as I mentioned, I'm sure Jimmy will be jumping on here at some point in time. Um, so the first thing I wanted to talk about, the first subject is I'm sure you all read the other day uh, that the has decided that the, the Horizon League has apparently put out a bidding process for the – tournament from this point forward so from for like the next three years 2020 to 2022 so so the one of the things that uh i I guess you know to replace detroit so i guess my question is that and i'm i'm still leaning towards indianapolis eventually being the host school but uh what do you guys think? What do you guys, do you think that there's some a uh, dark horse uh, candidate for attorney uh, host that might uh, come on in at the last minute? I don't know. I, I still feel like the best option for the league is going back to campus sites. I mean, you get more attendance. There's 
more fans for each school. I I feel like the league's trying to fit a square peg into a round hole with this whole doing a neutral side tournament. I mean, we saw in Detroit, it doesn't work. Fans didn't show up from Detroit. You know, fans didn't show up, show up from other schools. They had to give tickets away to make it look half full. And I think we just go back to campus sites. You know, I think of Motor City Madness. I went to two of the three Motor City Madnesses in person. The one I missed was because I had a child that was born two days before it. And for there, I'm of the belief that it's not the neutral site. It's the format. I mean, when they're going Thursday to Tuesday or Friday to Tuesday, nobody in their right mind is going to Detroit for four days, you know, three days off of work to see Horizon League basketball. I think a better format, and then you have an opportunity with a neutral site to maybe make it work. My two cents on it, and I, I said this when it first started, is campus sites up until the semifinals, semifinals and the finals at a neutral site. Okay. You know, one of the things I struggle with, as I say, what I struggle with in that format a little bit is the pre-planning idea that a fan is going to have to wait until a week before to decide, okay, I'm going to get in my car, book a flight, or book a series of hotels to then show up in Detroit or Indianapolis or Toledo or wherever the game's going to be. The neutral site, what makes it work is I know today when the games would be and where they'd be. I could plan today if I wanted to. So what do you, I guess I should also ask, you know, what do you guys think of the, the, the new tournament format in which uh, seats 9 and 10 don't even get to play in any any games in the tournament? I, I think it makes the most sense. I mean, you really? know, straight up bracket, one eight two seven three six four five, and I think it makes the most sense. I, I hated the whole concept of trying to protect the one seed and then the one seed lose every year and we change it. Just leave it as a standard bracket. See, I, I, I just I disagree with that because, you know, and maybe it's because for the last couple of years, the top seed has, in fact, not made it to the tournament and not won the conference tournament. Um, but I, I'm not really I'm not really sold on the whole. I'm not really sold on the, sold on the whole format in and of itself, mostly because of the fact that, you know, it's just, it seems like it's kind of put together at the last minute. I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm still kind of struggling to understand at least that part. You know, in the old format, I look back and of the 11 years of the highest seed hosting it, the number one seed won seven times. The uh-huh. lowest seed to win was Milwaukee as a five seed at Wright State. In uh-huh. the last three years at Motor City Madness, when they went out of their way to protect Valparaiso a couple times, the number one seed won zero times. So, you know, it could be that the quality of the league has gotten a little bit more where there's not a big dog anymore. Like they're, you know, in that old format, you had Butler and you had Milwaukee as top 25 teams and they won it many times. So I don't know if it's the format needs to, you know, leave the bottom teams out or, or leave them in. It just seems that the, there's not a clear cut best team in the league that can win every game, every time, like those old Butler or Milwaukee teams. Well, so one of the other things that I, that we actually, that Jimmy and I had discussed uh, one of our previous episodes when the, Motor City Madness uh, announcement came out is one of the things that we did see is it, we that I, I just had to remember is that when the double because that double buy format kind of disappeared it looks like it disappeared somewhere you know after Motor City Madness started probably I don't know not sure if it was last year or this year where there wasn't a it wasn't a double buy for the one seed like there had been from about 2002 on. 
And Bob, the the seventeen tournament was the first where they got rid of the double buy. Yeah, and then yeah, and of course, you know, see, this is where see, and I I didn't remember that. I didn't remember that during the episode. This is why we need a correction, guys. Like, hey, you screwed something up. Um, but one of the things that we did see, though, um, one of the things that we did come come across that during the double buy format is that. In spite of the fact that there were uh, there were times where the top seed didn't win the tournament, there was all it was always clear that the best team coming out of the league at that moment in time was coming in, and it also kind of maximized the opportunity to potentially win tournament games. And I looked at this because from like 2002 to about 2011. A Horizon League team had won a tournament game every single one of those years. And again, it wasn't always the one seed. It wasn't always Butler. Um, you had, you had, you know, like a 2009 when Cleveland State wins a game. Milwaukee in 2005. Yeah, exactly. And so um, it seemed that that – and it also, too – and this is also something we also mentioned is the fact that because those were on neutral sites, that was also, I, I guess that was also uh, not a neutral site. It was actually on campuses, but I, I understand the point of having the neutral site tournament where you, where again, the, the point is to be able to actually be able to know, Hey, this is where the tournament is going to be. And, you know, this is where the tournament's going to be. It's not going to change at the last minute or anything like that. But which is which is what they've done the last couple of years. Has it worked out in terms of being able to get you know uh, maximizing their ability to win tournament NCAA tournament games? No, because none, no no team since you know that has won Motor City Madness has won a NCAA tournament game. But I don't think that has anything to do with Motor City Madness. That tells you how, no, how far the league has fallen in the past, you know, five, six. You know, you're talking about all these wins, and we're talking at least five-plus years ago since the Horizon League did anything. That has nothing to do with the tournament. I agree entirely with that comment, because if you look at the last four years of the on-site uh, tournament, you had three Valparaiso hosting years. You had one Green Bay year. And in that time period, you ended up having Detroit Valpo, UWM, and Valpo winning. And they averaged in the NCAA tournament a 14 point, you know, 3 3 seed in that, or excuse me, a 14 and a quarter seed in that time period. And in the Motor City Madness, we've had a 14, a 15, and a 14. So it's the quality of the league. It's not the uh, format, in my opinion, because we're not getting better or worse teams or seeding in the NCAA tournament under the Motor City Madness versus the last four years of post Butler. Um, old neutral or on-campus sites. So when you look at that, uh, to your point, so when you look at that, the uh, then the question then becomes with regards to the, you know, the, this whole neutral site idea, is it is it a matter of trying to, I mean, I guess the question that I have is, is it, are we at a point now where, you know, the quality of the league, is, and we'll talk a little bit about kind of, you know, have we hit bottom yet? I'm not there yet, but... Um, <laughs> But the question is now is, I guess my question is, are we, is it with the neutral site? Is it, what are we, what are, what's the, what's the accomplish, hope to accomplish? What is the, are the league's hope to accomplish in Horizon League tournaments 2020 and on? 
Well, I think what people forget when they whine about Motor City Madness because it was change, nobody likes change. What they forget is Olympia was paying schools to be there. Yes, they were. And and so you're not getting that anywhere else. And I think that's part of what they're looking for is anybody willing to pay the horizon to bring our mediocre at best basketball in right now. And and at the time, Detroit was. So we can whine about it all we want. But at the end of the day, schools are at least making something to be there, which is not what you got anywhere else. Something else that goes with that. As I say, the old athletic director at Green Bay, Mary Ellen Gillespie, uh, told me a big part of it. You saw it in the, the announcement this week, student-athlete experience. It's less time out of class, easier to plan for. And overall, they're doing other community service things leading into Motor City Madness. It was trying to create a better experience for the student-athletes than uh, the last time they had it at Valparaiso. Green Bay sat in a hotel for three nights in Valparaiso, Indiana, and you can imagine that did not go very well for them. <laughs> That's not a student athlete um, experience. As a as as someone whose in laws live in Valparaiso, um, well, I mean, I, well, I know what's what to do over there, but I'm sure no student athlete does. So I'm sure um, <laughs> they so, can't drink, and that's all there is to do in Valpo. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> not no no real argument there. So um so. With that said, um, so, and I, I get that, and I, I understand kind of that aspect of it. Um, so, where does it? So, kind of, where does it? You know, and I understand the experience for the student athlete. That's obviously, you know, paramount. It has that has kind of been the paramount, you know, kind of mission of of the Horizon League for since its inception. And you know, so, but where does that leave? Uh, I, I not to not to kind of downplay that, but where does that leave us as the fans, though? Exactly. As fans, at least, is out of luck because they insist on using a format that seems most friendly to ESPN or the host venue in this case, in the past, uh, Little Caesars Arena or the Joe Louis Arena. The fans gotcha. seem to be third on that priority list, which I thought was interesting. The you know, the announcement that came out this week, it was about attendance, community engagement, and student athlete experience. And okay, student athlete experience, I can see that. Sure. Attendance with the format, I, I just don't see it. I, I'm hard pressed to believe that no matter where you put this thing, people are coming out on a Tuesday night in March to see Horizon League basketball unless they have a vested interest in it. Well, I think there's a bigger issue there. Um, you look at all the schools in the league and how many schools actually have. So any any you know semblance of a fan base that's going to travel, maybe Milwaukee, maybe Oakland. I mean, Cleveland State, Detroit, sure as hell not. UIC, no. I mean, that's why I say campus sites are the best because you just don't have fan bases that are going to travel. Put it on campus sites, at least you're going to have the home fans there. That's how I look at it. I can tell you that Oakland does travel. Mm. Absolutely. We, I mean, we did it for the Summit League out to uh, Dakotas. I would also say that you kind of run a, yeah, you do that, but you also kind of run the risk at uh, you kind of run the risk that in spite that it, that it is a conference that it is a conference tournament, ultimately it's going to be kind of locally how you know how the local how the how the you know the, the host school is going to handle handle the attendance issue, and that's then that's him and this too, as you know, John. So, um. So now that we've talked all of that and 
so I guess my other question then becomes, have in fact we hit bottom? <laughs> last year was not a good year for the Horizon League. Hey, Bob, before um, we go. I hope last year was rock bottom because as I'm looking at the Blue Ribbon preview for the conference, we were 26th out of 32 conferences in RPI, and that's by far the worst we've been in the past 10 years. So and this is 20. not rock bottom. I, I don't want to see what it is. Yeah, I'm sorry, Tim, what was that? I was going to, before you move on to rock bottom, I just want to comment on one thing on the the new venue for, or uh-huh. seeking a new venue. I know a lot of people talking about, you know, neutral site versus campus site. The reality for the league is we're going neutral site. So, you know, we're going to have to wait a couple of years to bring that topic back up. I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter that had Indianapolis as kind of the logical uh, spot for this thing. If I'm under the, if my information is correct, I think that Banker's Life Fieldhouse is utilized in 2020 and 22, 2022 for the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. And inside the announcement they had this week was, okay, geographic footprint and the the 10 member universities home venue cannot host the tournament. That's what they had in the announcement. So where does that really leave the league looking? And, you know, I think there's lots of different places they could go. Um, but I just think that this foregone conclusion, if we're going to do it, it's going to be in Indianapolis. I'm not sure that that's necessarily going to happen. If uh, banker's life isn't available, I don't know where they host the games. I mean, it'd be awesome to have it at Hinkle. Well, what about an IUPUI's home arena? I mean, isn't that brand well, no, new? That, 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 no, well, that, that, that you know, if it, if it, that's an automatic disqualifier because it's a, you know, Farmers, uh, Farmers Bureau is uh, IUPUI's home. So that's, that's an automatic disqualifier based on what Jim mentioned. So yeah. that, so it's that's, in the, it's in the bid process, at least with the Horizon on their, on their website said that uh, member venues are excluded. Essentially, it's going to have to be a neutral arena even if it's in a city that is a host to a Horizon League member. So Pfizer Forum would work. UWM Panther Arena wouldn't. Bankers Life Fieldhouse would work. Whatever they call that arena on the state fairgrounds in Indianapolis wouldn't. So, yeah. So, you know, you're – so with that said, you're probably talking about, you know, like maybe, you know, you know like, for example, you know, UIC Arena would not qualify, but – Rosemont Horizon or whatever the hell they're calling it these days. Rosemont would work. The new DePaul Arena would work. The United Center would work, but UIC Pavilion wouldn't work. Okay, it's in like and Cleveland State Wolfstein Center wouldn't work, but the Q wouldn't would work. Well, but that's, a, but that's not going to happen because the Q falls over themselves to host the MAC tournament. So. I mean, if we're being honest, though, I mean, we we I think we have to kind of have to be realistic and throw out the idea of the Horizon League tournament ever. Being at an arena the size of Quicken Loans Arena or Little Caesars or the United Center, I mean, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. No, absolutely I just, not. I mean, sorry, well, that we're, it's we're it's going to be at an arena. I was say I think it's going to be an arena that size. You see the Atlantic Ten draping off the upper levels of their arena. You see the Scott Trade Center or Enterprise Center in St. Louis for Arch Madness. I mean, it's it's going to happen whether they can fill it or not. That's probably never going to happen. But the idea of it happening in a big building. That's probably going to happen. I just, I, it needs to happen. I don't know why we think that we're under the Mac. You know, we just said the Mac uses quick and loan or the Q or whatever you guys call it out there. Like why, why wouldn't we have those same expectations? Because the Mac travels, the Mac fans travel way better than Horizon League fans. Way better. It's not even close. Well, we need well, to do better. As I say, something in the Mac, you see Cleveland is a really good point for where the best fan bases are in the Mac. You've got Akron, you've oh, got Ohio, you've got Toledo. 
they're doing the most traveling for the whatever they call that um what do they call that rock and roll mac, uh, madness. mac madness yeah well you've got five mac teams in ohio that helps yep yeah two of which yeah two of which happen to be within you know within an hour drive can stay in akron yeah not to yeah not to and mention toledo's an hour and a half yeah, not to mention if you throw a not to mention if you throw a stone in downtown Cleveland, you're going to hit a graduate of a Mac school. Can't tell you how many Ohio U graduates are working downtown right now, who are very interested in you know attending, you know the the conference basketball tournament there. Not to mention also too, and let's not forget also that the Mac also you know Cleveland is the headquarters for the Mac you know the Mac conference you know it's conference headquarters so. There's that too, which is why I initially, given that the Horizon League is based in Indianapolis, you know that's kind of where I led. That's my conclusion where I led to that. But you also, but that actually, and the other part of it is too, and this kind of ties into the has the league at the bottom part. Max RPI as a conference is infinitely better and has been infinitely better than the Horizon Leagues over the last couple of years. It has, and that's that's. There's no two ways around it. Um, so that, so that, you know, circles me back to the initial question of the, where, you know, are, are we looking at another, are we looking at a repeat of last year where it's going to be, you know, it's going to be not, it's going to be horrible. Are we, are we, have we, have, was last year bottom is my question. Well, are we finally getting to a point where we're looking at seeing improvements? I, I think you're going to have a very similar year to last year. I mean, you look at – I'm looking up and down the projected standings, and Wright State and Northern Kentucky are your top clear top two teams again. They have UIC projected third, but they lost uh, Ty Odiasi and Dikembe Dixon, so how good are they really going to be? I, I mean, disagree, you, but thanks for sharing. <laughs> I, mean, I think they've probably got one of the better backcourts in the in the conference. I, I think it'll just be similar to last year. That's what I think. I see the league improving from last year. I mean, I think Green Bay, I think UIC. I mean, UIC didn't do anything in the non-conference portion of their oh, schedule. No, no, not at all. They, they were horrible. They were horrible. IUPI, IUPUI wasn't very good in the non-conference. I think they're going to have a better team than expected. I mean, you're, you're only kind of looking at maybe two teams, maybe three that are you know still bottoming out. I think everybody else is still trending up from there. I like one question I did have, and I, I actually posed this to both you, Chris, and you, Jim. Um, the both IUPUI and Green Bay, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Green Bay I thought was just a down year this last year. Um, do you do either? You consider those two teams kind of the sleepers in the in the league? Because it seems to me like they those two schools to me seem like the type of schools that that, that could sneak up on some folks. Even though if you you know, kind of look at dig into it, you know, maybe not necessarily it, it shouldn't necessarily be a surprise. Chris, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm I'm kind of biased in this sense and that I, you know, I'm a graduate of IEPY and I've, you know, worked closely with the program. So I'm going to be a little biased, but I do think they have some pieces there that can really make a difference. I mean, you look at a guy like uh, Cameron Justice, who I think is probably going to be one of the, the better shooters in the league. He's, you know, former highly rated recruit coming from Vanderbilt. The thing with IEPY is they – 
they're starting to get in like the the correct you know type of players that they need to compete in the Horizon League. Um, you know, when you make a, a a quick transition from the Summit League to the Horizon League, I mean, it's a, just a different type of play style. It's a different type of you know athlete game. Uh, you know, speed of the game. I, I I do think that they can maybe be a little bit of a sleeper. I, I'm not sure if they're going to be good enough to you know win the league, but I mean, you saw last year they were. I think they were projected to finish last going mm-hmm. into the season. I think that part of it could have been just, hey, it's no new kid on the block. We don't really know what they're bringing. Um, I, I think that they're probably a middle-of-the-pack team. Um, but, you know, a couple things break right. They get hot at the right time. I wouldn't be shocked to see maybe see them crack the top four. I agree with Chris entirely for IUPUI. In my preseason uh, picks I got them fifth and possibly higher I really like what they've done and that kills me to say that because I was anti-IUPUI I felt like they did nothing to deserve the opportunity to be in the league but now that they're here I think they have a decent team if not better than decent on the Green Bay front I really feel like you know and coach uh, Darner had said this earlier in the summer if you look at his record year four he's won his league every time he's in year four at Green Bay he's got his guys in there but on top of that not only does he have his guys, he's got a couple of pieces that are really solid. You look at a Sandy Cohen, who was a you know top recruit, probably one of the three best players in the league. If they win a bunch of games, might be the player of the league. You see Cam Hankerson, who is very athletic, has a, a, some range on his jump shot, taking a big step. They're getting a, a player named Cody Schwartz, who was a South or San Jose State transfer, local kid from Green Bay. Uh, 6'8", can shoot from well behind a three-point line. I'm pretty confident that uh, he will make a solid impact. He was a seven point per game scorer in the mountain West as a freshman. And then, you know, Jaquan McLeod is a guy who did well at Milwaukee until he hurt himself and then had some personal things and he left the program. Uh, he's back and he's just kind of a scoring machine. So you get any lift of their freshmen of which they had five last year, you take Cohen, Schwartz, Hankerson, McLeod. Um, I have them second in the league. I know I'm biased, but I really think that they're, trending in the right direction and are going to play much more of that RP 40 style than they were able to play last year where they weren't really pressuring uh, up and down as much. I mean, they got a lot of shots up, but they definitely weren't playing the same way that they played when they had Jordan Faust and um, Carrington love when Darner was in his first year with green Bay. And I feel like this roster much more than anything that Darner's had in the last two years is going to be more reflective of his style and his ability to win games. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so, Looking at the bottom half of the, looking at the bottom of the head, it kind of, kind of piggybacking off that. Looking at the bottom half of the conference potentially, um, and no, I I also dispute the idea that I also am, and maybe it's because I'm an Uber Homer and whatever, but I don't think I don't think Cleveland State's going to end up in the bottom half of this league this year. But that's just me. Um, the wild card in this, I think, um, and I, I don't know what to, Matt. I don't know what to make. What do, uh, what do you make? Of, what do you make of what's going on with Oakland right now? Um, I think that's kind of the fun thing is no one's really sure, and that's why everyone's kind of picked on mid to lower. You know, we're, we've lost a ton, obviously. I mean, the only returning starters, Neely, all those. We we all know all that. We've seen all that. Um, yeah. But what I don't think people realize, or you have to remember, is that they lost a lot to injury last year. I mean, we were playing without Brad Brechting all season, which I'm not saying that Brad Brechting would have made the season, but he probably would have been, a, you know, at the 6'11", dude, that we could have put in the middle there. 
Um, we just, it was constant injuries. Even a lot of the people on the floor were hurt. None was hurt. Um, Brock was hurt. Um, you know, so, but at the same time, almost all those guys are gone. I mean, Brock went give two on us, like out of nowhere, but you know what, if you're going to quit on your team, it, it is what it is. But uh, it's a different story. That is um, such a weird situation to me, by the way, that, that Isaiah Brock would all of a sudden just transfer to do a D2 team. He, he and, quit last year too. This, he yeah. quit twice on his team. Like, okay, see ya. Like, I mean, thanks for thanks for what you did. You you were a good player, but clearly it wasn't for you. See ya. Like, but what it comes down to is uh, the team is young. Um, I mean, I think they've got one senior, if I'm remembering off the top of my head, and that's Jordan Nobles, who transferred from Eastern Michigan uh, to do a, a grad year. But other than that, it's, it's a really young team. Uh, I think we're going to play bigger than, than we usually do, which is not a campy thing tip, typically. But what I like about it is that's what we've been losing to. You look at, like, Wright State and, and North, Northern Kentucky when they've been doing well. They're not they're not shooting the lights out. They're, they're grinding games out. And I think that's where OU's gotten hurt in the past. We've had so many weapons that go cold at the wrong times. So I'm excited personally about the idea of watching, you know, Xavier Hill Mays grind it out down low. Uh, we have a seven foot um, uh, freshman, uh, Baba Tunde. I don't even know how to say his name. I'm going to screw this up. Baba Tunde. Follows us on Twitter. So uh, yeah, I better learn how to pronounce his name real quick. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to hear Neil rule say that a couple of times so that I can figure out how it's said, but I mean, the dude is a monster. He's still, he's still learning the game, but I mean, he's a monster of a person. Um, we've got, and we've got a lot of winners, which is good. Uh, we, but they're all young. So I think we're going to start slow and everyone's going to count us out. And I think they're going to make more noise than people realize what it matters. Matt, I got a, a question for you. Uh, do you think that they're going to be, might perform a little bit better than expected given that they just won't have the expectations that they had last year? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm so glad to have a team that no one's talking about. Right. It's, so it, I, we I, needed it. I mean, last year, I just coming from our, I think in our preseason poll, we had them rated top 10 because you looked at that roster and you got, you know, none, uh, Hayes and Martez Walker. That's a ton of talent. I just, and yeah, I, I agree that I, I think having lower expectations with, you know, a group of younger guys that, you know, you can kind of, kind of just get your feet wet early on in the season and maybe everyone's going to forget about things. Yeah. Everyone's going to forget about and ignore them. And right. And that's exactly what they need early season. But again, if you look, especially a lot of these freshmen, these, these kids are winners. They come from winning programs. Um, Maddox, uh, out of, who's out of Novi in Michigan. Um, he hit two game winning shots to get his team to uh, the, the, the one finals. I mean, that, 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 that's a gamer. Like the, and, he, and these kids can play, but they're going to need a little time to adjust and everyone's going to forget about them until, until late and I think that's actually a good thing for the league um, I feel like that's what we've been losing to so I feel like it's kind of our turn which is a change for us hey, Matt can I ask a question for you about Oakland sure in the five years that Oakland's been in the league they have the second best conference record uh, obviously they don't have anything to show for that in terms of NCAA appearances I mean when I see a young team it can't be capable capable of coaching these guys up I mean I almost feel like he's held them down a little bit with the talent that they've had in the last couple of years um, I think he is, and actually, I think he's better with the younger players. I think that's some of what caught him um, is he doesn't. I mean, he gets along well with these players, but like, how much coaching is he really giving to Kendrick Nunn, who just came out of Illinois? And I mean, other than he, he provides a father figure to to someone like Nunn or Walker, who got themselves in trouble and all that, and he made sure that they got their lives together, which is awesome. You know, they they went on. They were they were choir boys when they were here. I was talking about this with somebody on Twitter the other day. They did their job when they were here. They didn't get in any trouble. And they played basketball but I don't know how much coaching up he was able to do. 
and again, and then last year, I mean, it just came down to injuries. I mean, we we lost every every piece of it you could imagine. Everybody was either hurt or out, and I mean, it is what it is. That's part of the game, but I think that was a bigger factor than anything. But I think Campy will do a really nice job with the younger players. I think that's where he excels, and I think his assistant coaching staff uh, is built for that. All right. So switching from the bottom to the top. So Ricky, what does you know as the defending conference tournament champions and finishing second in the regular season, what is it gonna take for Wright State to repeat? What's it gonna take for them to you know what what tool you know, what is it gonna take for them to kind of repeat as champions? I think they're gonna to need to find that score. You know, they had uh Grant Benzinger last year was was kind of the guy that when when things got rough, they put the ball in his hands. Um, you know, will the the Bill Bill Wampler who uh, transferred from Drake or uh, Cole Gentry who who played some limited minutes last year was able to play the second half of the season after transferring in from South Dakota State? Will they be able to step into that role? Um, I know one guy I was really looking forward to maybe stepping into that role was Everett Winchester, and then he transferred to Florida Atlantic. Um, but, you know, you still got a lot of love down low. Um, you know, he's going to get his double-doubles. Uh, so, really, I think it just comes down to finding a guard who's capable of scoring that 20, 25 a night and uh, being able to let the defense kind of do their work. So, John, I've waxed poetic on uh, Cleveland State enough over episodes, and this is my show, so – uh, what do you where where do you where do you come out on the Vikings? Well, for me, I mean, it kind of sounds like uh, IUPUI. I mean, Cleveland State, you know, you, once again, it seems like every year with them, um, there's a lot of turnover going on, and that you know, that's lose three starters from last year. You know, have some guys transfer out seems to always happen, but I, I feel like there's a lot of true talent coming in. You look at Rashad Williams out of Detroit. I mean, he was, I think he at once made um, McDonald's All-American status late last year. And you got a guy like Deontay Spider-Johnson, you know, guy in the inside in the paint that can be a true rim protector, shot blocker. And then, you know, you got Appleby, who I think is one of the best guards in the conference, returning Stefan Kenich, you know, he can further his game. And I don't know. I mean, it, it'll definitely be a young team. I think the, the non-conference and the first part of the conference season will be pretty rough for Cleveland State. Just hope whether they they end this year like, like they did last year, you know, with with the bang, you know, getting better as the year goes along. I, I'm not really sure what to expect. I'd say middle of the pack if I'm realistic. Okay. Um. All right. I'll for uh, Bob yeah, and let... for Bob and John. Uh, yeah. Quick question for you guys. Yeah. You look back a year ago. Felton gets hired. There's really not a lot of buzz around the league. I mean, how do you guys feel? Looking back, Youngstown got a lot of attention with Calhoun getting hired. You guys hire a retread, and from where I sit, Felton looks like the better hire. What do you guys think about that? Um, you know what? I I, I got to say, I was definitely not on board with Dennis Felton. I will be the first person to mention that and uh, first person to admit that, and I know I've done that multiple times. Um, that said, and I'm not just saying this because I had we had him on the show, <laughs> but when you look at – what Cleveland State did last year. I mean, you had a situation where if a couple of buckets kind of go there, actually go their way, they're actually a 500 ball club last year. 
So it wasn't really that a supr- big a surprise to me that they did what they did in the conference tournament. Because you knew that they had the capability of hanging with anybody in the league. They had the ability to do so. Well, maybe not necessarily Northern Kentucky because they got uh, they got owned by Northern Kentucky, you know, in both games during the regular season. That one was kind of a surprise. But when you look at all the other – when you look at the other comp- – the other team in – is that they played during the conference tournament? You know, you look like you look at Youngstown State where they split the series with them. Wright State even during the championship game, I was you know because you got to remember Cleveland State beat Wright State in the regular season, which probably shocked the hell out of everybody. Um, and you know when they beat Oakland, you know they hung with they did hung they hung with Oakland uh, in you know at least at least one of their games during the regular season. So it wasn't really that big a surprise to me. Do I? And he was doing that too. And this was I can't help I can't tell you how many times I alluded to the fact that Cleveland State had six seniors on that team, six seniors. And to me, even with a coaching change, to me you couldn't convince me that there was. To me, there was no reason why Cleveland State couldn't do something with six seniors. It took them until the conference tournament to do it, but they did. And so, um, but then it actually comes back to then. Then the other part of that is it comes to me back to the the kind of the what John mentioned the the turnover this year, not transfers, thank God. Uh, this year was mostly for it was mostly. Um, you know, graduates, you know, you know, senior graduates, they got all of them. And what they got back, though, was, uh, uh, first of all, they already have two established starters already as freshmen, Steph Kenich and Tyree Appleby, which was, you know, Kenich came out of absolutely nowhere and was able to come in and get a you know start on the roster. Um, and he didn't even – and it should be noted that he, Steph Kenich didn't even – wasn't even with the team over the summer. He was with his national team, international team. So he wasn't even with the, the team that summer. And then you also have Tyree Appleby as well. And then you also add in kind of the, you know, Cash Thomas, who was, you know, who's probably one of the best, who's probably going to be one of the best six men in the conference. And then, you know, and, and Dontel Highsmith, he's going to be back as well. So, um, and then you add in all of these new guys. Now the question, Question is, you know, it does that affect? You know, how does that affect the team? And I'm thinking, not. I think it, it's now entirely. Now I think it's entirely Dennis Felton's. There is no Gary Waters footprint on this team at all anymore. So, and, and as I've said numerous times, keep beating this down into the ground. But the best, the best gift Gary Waters gave Dennis Felton is. You know, ro- you know, roster flexibility. So, you know, he was able to turn around that roster within two years. And I think some of the guys that are coming in, because Al Eichelberger is coming in from DePaul, he's been with the team for a year. He had to sit down for the red shirt. I think he's going to be good. And I think because of that, because of the way that Felton did kind of focus his team and get that all, you know, he was able to kind of, you know, Focus on this whole idea of positionless basketball. I know you've mentioned that a million times. And I'm sure you've all heard it. And I'm heard it. now it's funny because I hear it in the NBA now. I'm like, you know, I heard that first from Dennis Felton, but I think the way he's approached it is probably way different than any other team, any other coach would have. Um, with that said, I guess now I get to pose this to all of you. Um, shifting gears and 
there is since we don't have anybody from Youngstown State. What do you guys think of your two of the of Jared of the Jared Calhoun era? I think what what is your what is your assessment of what where where they are and the where where they're going to be in the league? Well, his style is about what I expected, Bob. I mean, you look at Youngstown State. I mean, they scored a lot, but they had one of the worst defenses in all of Division One. So. You pretty much got what we expected. I mean, they run up and down the floor, but they also let other teams run up and down the floor. So as far as his recruiting, I mean, I haven't followed him real closely, but it sounds like he's bringing some players in there. So, and he's a young coach. You know, he seems to be a pretty good coach and recruiter. So I guess you're still in waiting to see if you're a Youngstown State fan, I think. Gotcha. So what are the other – yeah, so uh, one of the things that, I, that kind of struck me is the – fact that you, not only did he bring his own people and maybe that's i guess my concern is that it, he brought in a bunch of his own guys it, just like just like at cleveland state where you have roster turnover you saw a bunch of it in youngstown state too a lot of it involving some of his top scores and you know is that is that going to be an issue for him I personally think Youngstown, same old youngstown we're looking at the probably the last place team in the league i think Take a look at how much uh, difficulty you had to get a Youngstown fan on this particular podcast today. There's total apathy amongst the fan base still, despite a little pickup of attendance last year. And they had a ton of turnover, you know, not only, not only losing their experienced guys, but then also losing some of the other guys that were on the team. I think it's going to be another year uh, looking up at the rest of the league with, you know, a few nice wins along the way, which Youngstown's always been able to do. To be fair, I think I've come to the, I actually did come to the conclusion. I think the reason we didn't get we haven't been able to get on a Youngstown State, you know, Youngstown State fans is because we've been crapping all over them for the last year, and they think we're assholes. I think that might be it. Maybe not this <laughs> shying away from this, but I, uh, but no, I. I so um, anybody else, you know, kind of had a you know are thinking about what you know where they are because because this kind of, and, and for me. And I'll probably talk about this a little later on. It, it's I need I need Youngstown State to be good. As a Cleveland State fan, I need Youngstown State to be good. I need them to be good for reasons of course I'll explain later. I can tell you as an Oakland fan, you get used to your rival being terrible. <laughs> we'll talk about we'll t- we'll actually talk about rivalries here in a minute. Um, so. Um, Speak, since you're since you talked about rivalries being terrible, um, and of course you know we, somewhere somewhere around somewhere in the at some point in time and somewhere in the general vicinity of the world, I'm sure Carrick Jones is floating around. Um, but Detroit, unfortunately, he's not here to defend Detroit. So let's talk about him. <laughs> um, I love and, talking about them. I yeah I know you do. Um, and by the way, Jim, to your uh, actually to your point, you know, and in spite of you know, I I do think that that Detroit does remain to be the bottom of the league. I mean, they lost. They, they it took too damn long to get their coach. They they're still they've been scrambling to get new players because everybody transferred out. I mean, not like it made a difference. They were in last place last year. So what the hell was it? What's the hell the difference between, you know, last year's players and this year's players. Um, it's going to be a, diff- it's going to be a tough year for Mike Davis this year. Going to be without doubt. 
It might be a tough year this year, but I love the Mike Davis hire. I'm just oh, it's a great totally, it's, totally floored that they could get a guy like that to come to Detroit. Steel. Yeah, just it's, amazing. Yeah, to come I, I of, personally think he's the best coach in the league. Yeah, I to come out of the process that late with the guy of, you know, Mike Davis's caliber. I, it's mind blowing that the, they ended up with him. <laughs> I think that's going to be fantastic there. I, I full, and as much as I love to rip on Mercy, I think the Mike Davis hire was an absolute home run. It's too bad for them that took way too long. But here's the thing. Mike Davis is a good coach. We all know that. But at the same time, he can't be anything that great. He's been since, – since Indiana, he's been at UAB and Texas Southern. It's not, like what they, it's not like they stole this dude from Duke. You know, like he's a good coach. He's, he's easily the best coach they could have hired at the time. I'm not saying anything other than that. But it's, it, it's not – is earth shattering as as I think other people are making out to be. He is the only coach in the league with a Final Four appearance, so it's hard not to make Damn it earth right. shattering from my from my perspective. And from he did a, well at UAB. Standpoint of yes, from a standpoint of yeah, from a I mean, we're talking twenty years ago. Yeah, and what has he done? To, I think where he where he was at at Texas Southern, which was a let's face it, not a you know was a situation where it is a, you know, he turned around that and became a, you know, I understand how easy it is to, you know, it's the the, the S-Wax, so. What's that? What's that? Why, why, that's, that's, that's Stone Cold's music. My God. Jimmy, is that you? Someone give me a fucking Steve Weiser. Or, Damn it, or Jimmy. What? Hello. <laughs> I was in the middle of my Mike Davis singing. You messed me up, you bastard. <laughs> I, I'm just here to drop stunners and and take people out. Uh, Here's right, Mercy is not very good. Oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Thanks, guy. Yeah. And by the way, you're by the way, interestingly enough, Jimmy, your uh your your intro is actually going to be where we close out the first episode. Congratulations for jumping in when you did. Yeah, I'm I, I think of me as like that think of my my entrance as like the end credit scene of a Marvel movie. I'm here to tell Iron Man that he's part of a bigger world, he just doesn't know it yet. Nice. Great. So you're you're are you considering yourself the Nick Fury of the Horizon League now? Is that what your deal is? With two eyes. With two eyes. Captain Marvel, Nick Fury. Oh Jesus. That's where All that's right. where I'm coming from. Yes. Good to know. I'm yeah, and 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 like the Thanos that I will be, I'm just gonna snap my fingers and close this episode out. So um <laughs> All right, so uh, this is this is going to be the end of the first episode of the fan uh, of our of our you know our fall fan episode, and so as always, you can you can uh, catch us on tw- uh, you can actually uh, listen to our episodes on sportshacks.com and hax.com, and you can also find us wherever you find podcasts. So. Uh, Oh, you know, stay be on the lookout and stay tuned. We're gonna have your uh, we're gonna have the second yeah. episode of this here or, coming up real or soon. Or just just listen for the broken glass, man. Because I'm how coming about no? to drop stunners on everybody. Oh my that's god! That's happening. Get killed for copyright violations. Stop it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right.